how do you deal with issues of uh, church discipline in the case that they're necessary? How do you make sure that you know about your members, you know about what's going on in their lives, and you have a system in place to deal with issues like this when they come up? Because these are actually important for helping people grow. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. With Here with Pastor Nick Cady, he's a pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, we're in our series of looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And we're in chapter 5 this week. And title message was... Church Discipline and the Love of God. Love of God. And that was uh, chapter five. And if you missed that, uh, whitefieldschurch.com, you can get over there and you can download it. And um, also up on YouTube and also on our Facebook page and any of your favorite streaming platforms. And if you would, you know, subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up and, uh, you know, uh, rate and review as well if you would like. And it just really helps to, you know, Move us up in the algorithm. Move us up when people are, you know, googling something, typing in something, asking a question. We can provide them with gospel-centered, Christ-centered answers to their questions. And then, you know, if something has blessed you, you know, share it and share it with your friends and share it with somebody you think might need to hear about this. And you know, we find ourselves in this. Uh, you know, as you talked about this morning. Uh, uh, in this sermon, is that you know one of the things about going through the Bible. Um, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, is that you can't skip over the weird parts, the hard parts, the, you know, the things that we don't necessarily talk about. And, you know, when you come to like church discipline, I think church discipline is one of those things that people have, don't have too many positive reactions Mm -hmm. to. It's kind of a negative thing. Like uh, they've either been the subject of church discipline. They've confused about just church discipline they think it's weird and you kind of brought up you brought up a lot of those things in the sermon of just kind of people's like reactions to this like what is this and why is the church doing it and and uh, but one of the important questions that we need to talk about and and the came you know comes about those two stories that kind of really show you the two different ways to uh, you know, that you applied church discipline when you were pastoring in Hungary. And really brings up the idea, a very important question is, who is the church actually for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a question that different groups deal with. And it's a difficult question. I'll tell you why. Because this is a passage like in First Corinthians 5, where Paul is insinuating that the church is for believers, Right, but then you've got other passages like in First uh, Corinthians fourteen, same book, where Paul talks about how at any open church gathering you expect there to be people there who are not believers. So the church has an evangelistic function, but it also has a function of making disciples. And it seems to me that uh, churches can get off base in both directions. Some churches can become so focused on saying that the church is for believers that they neglect to have the church have any kind of evangelistic draw or appeal. And then on the other side, you can get uh, churches that are so focused on viewing their Sunday services as being uh, directed towards people who are not Christians that they forget that there are Christians 
attending their church, that the majority of people attending their church are committed Christians who need to be discipled and taught as Christians, and they need to have some way to deal with stuff like we read about in chapter mm-hmm. five. Like, how do you deal with issues of uh, church discipline in the case that they're necessary? How do you make sure that you know about your members, you know about what's going on in their lives, and you have a system in place to deal with issues like this when they come up because these are actually important for helping people grow. So I think that, you know, you can see, it's really easy to see the extremes, right? You can see the the extremes where it's so evangelistic that they have no system for discipleship and even discipline in cases where it's necessary. And you can see the other extreme where it's like, they're so focused on just being an insular, uh, inward focused group that they don't even, uh, almost seem to care or have a priority for, um, for evangelism. I think it has to be both. I think that's clearly what we see in first Corinthians. It needs to be both. And that's a tough line to, that's a tough balance to strike, right? Like, how do you do that? Like, and that was kind of my point with my story is that like the church needs to be a place where on the one hand, uh, sinners can come, um, and they can hear the good news of the gospel. They can belong before they believe in some cases. But in other cases, there also, it also needs to be a community that helps people follow Jesus by having boundaries and, and having standards which are given to us by Jesus. Um, so to function as a biblical church, we need both. And, and finding that balance is not always very easy. It needs a, we need a lot of wisdom and guidance with it. But Mike, I'm going to turn this on you because you told me an interesting story <laughs> about a time you used to be in a band and your band, you guys toured, and you were telling me about a time you went to a church and something happened there. Yeah, I mean, your, your stories brought up, so, you know, talking about church discipline and talking about, like, what is the purpose of the church brought up this very interesting situation where, you know, actually we're in this group with, with Monica, my wife, and, and we had been asked to go to this little tiny town. It was like, you know, about 20 kilometers away from the Romanian border, it's a little Hungarian town. And there was this evangelist, this guy from Texas, and he was an Anabaptist, and the reason I know he was an Anabaptist is because when you, I walked into the church, that was what was plastered on the back wall behind the pulpit was the timeline that he had put up of the Anabaptist kind of trying to prove that the Anabaptists were the first true church. And I'm not going to discuss that right now, but, but it was all in English. And when this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, you know, that nobody speaks English. And so that was, you know, a red flag right there. And then there was from preaching and we did our song, you know, and all of this. And I just, what was really stuck in my mind was this, this pastor guy, this guy from Texas. And he's at the end of the service, this drunk guy had walked into the service. And of course, there's nothing else going on in this little town. So, you know, it's a one street town. He's figuring out what are all these cars and people. So he walks in and, and there's this exchange with this guy from Texas yelling at the at the translator who's yelling at the drunk guy and the, the Texas the guy's like yelling at him if you come into this church again drunk then you know you know you need to shape up and you get right before God and if you don't you come back here drunk you're going to hell and all this stuff and it's like there's something wrong with this picture you're having an evangel you know evangelical outreach this is the guy that you want in your 
you know, you want to preach the love of Christ. And it's like, this is your first exchange is you're pointing out the fact that he's drunk. And there's probably a lot of reasons why he's drunk. He might be homeless. He might be out of work. He might, there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons people were that way in Hungary. And, you know, I just thought there's something very, very wrong about, you know, he's throwing, you know, as you said, church discipline at somebody who needed to hear the love of God. And so it was, uh, I just, that story came up to my mind. It's always kind of been, you know, imprinted on my mind. That is not, I don't think that's the way we should be doing this, you know. Kicking the guy out of the church who doesn't belong to your church. Doesn't belong to your church, you know. And so it was, it was, it was very, very interesting, very interesting story. And and a lot, you know, you bring up it, uh, I think a very important point where, you know, the Corinthians, they end up getting very black and white about this issue as you get to Second Corinthians, where they're like, we're done with this guy. He's never coming back into the church. And I think what was important about today's message is, you know, the last word in the sentence, restoration. And, you know, I think that's where the, you know, praying, you know, the power of the spirit, you know, wisdom as a leadership when you're dealing with these topics is, you know, and I'm sure you've dealt with this as well, is that you take, you don't have like, we have broad, uh, you know, sweeping principles within scripture, but, but people are people and God wants us to love people and meet them where they're at and, and minister to them where they're at. And I think every, every one of these opportunities, whether it's church discipline or whether it's restoring somebody is kind of, you know, person by person or, or, you know, what the word I'm looking for is like, you know, situation by situation, circumstance by circumstance. Like we want to make sure we prayerfully go before, you know, the Lord and say, what do we want us to do with this? Is this guy a wolf? Or is this somebody who's just needs some guidance and needs a mentor or something like that? Or, you know, those kind of things. Is this person praying on the church or is this person that needs to be deal with? Does this person needs to get saved, you know, and then we can deal with the other things. And I think that, you know, many of our elders discussions at the church, you know, I was in Budapest. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about people and and how to deal with, you know, things that were going. It was a large church. and But I really, I one of the things that's really I'm very proud of, you know, we were an inner city church in Budapest is that, yeah, we had the guy that was half asleep because he was halfway through a bottle of wine by the time he got to first service. But sitting next to him was a guy who ran a bank. And then, you know, we had some homeless people and then you had students. And you, and I love the way the church kind of embraced anybody that walked in through the door in that way. And it was, it was, it was kind of almost natural to have that guy who was like half, you know, or smelt really bad or, you know, th- those kind of things where the people kind of really would reach out, you know, to, to, to help them or point them out or bring them to us or, hey, this guy needs help, not, hey, he needs to be out of here. Uh, you know, we had those problem people. Of course, every church does. But I really I love the way the church kind of embraced that inner city mentality of like this whole kind of mix, melting pot of humanity it came into the church on Sunday mornings from every walk of life. And we were able to minister to each one where they were at and, and deal with the issues as they came. And we didn't always do it, you know, well. You know, sometimes we did make mistakes and not deal with things properly. But, you know, I love that, you know, and I think that's what it, that's what you're talking about. That's what the church is about is welcoming humanity at every stage because that's what Jesus does and then using the principles of scripture ministering to them one on one you know and 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 bringing them to Christ you know whatever it might be you know and I think that's a, a great principle and one of the other things we wanted to talk about was just uh, 
the idea of just what what happens if like there's a leadership you know the failure you know we unfortunately you know within the church over the couple last years and you know for our history we've heard of quite a few that we've known that kind of have failed over the years moral failures or kind of whatever it might have been uh you know what how do how do you deal with that in a church discipline you know scenario yeah you know Christian leaders, including myself, we're not exempt from uh, church discipline, and and we shouldn't be, right? Because um, you know you're a you're a leader, but you're still part of the flock of God, and um, I think that's a really important point that you know church leaders are also held to the same standards. Uh, they don't follow, if anything, they follow stricter standards according to the Bible. Um, they're judged more stringently than those who are not leaders. And so I, I think that, um, that that's right, that church leaders should be held to a standard. Um, you know, how does that happen? Obviously, it happens um, in the same way, oftentimes with church leadership. And we've seen a lot of situations where uh, that has happened, you know, where people are, uh, pastors are removed from their uh, positions, they're asked to step down. And I think rightly so in, in some cases. I mean, if somebody's doing something that disqualifies them from leadership, um, then they, they should be, you know, asked to step down, at least for a time. And so, yeah, there are guidelines for that in the Bible. We follow the same guidelines that we follow for other Christians, but we say that leaders are held to higher standards. We have standards given in First Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 2, for how leaders are to be in their character. And so that's, that's really important, you know, as representatives of the Lord and of his church, um, we should care about those things. I think the one thing that happens with a lot of leaders that fall, at least leaders that I've known about from a little closer, is that oftentimes they get isolated. I, I'd say two things I notice. One is that um, ministry can become for them like almost like a job and it becomes mechanical and they do it to the neglect of actually their own relationship with God and their own uh, walk with God. And I could see how that happens. I remember I, I had this friend in Hungary. He was, um, he was a CFO at this big factory and in Mishkolts. And so he attended our church. And uh, I remember one time we went on a ski trip with our church. And he told me, I don't want to lead because that's what I do at work all the time. I don't want to lead, you know, so somebody else needs to lead. And, um, and then I had other guys in the church, like they'd be into like, they would do for work, they would work with computers. And they were like, when I leave work, I don't want to see a computer. Mm -hmm. Like, don't, I don't want to use one. I don't want to see one, et cetera. And I, want, I always joke with people like, yeah, you can't pull that in, in yeah. Christian ministry. You'd be like, oh, Bible is for work, not for outside of work. I don't want to see that thing. Um, but I think it, it does happen yeah. to some people and you have to be really on guard, you know? Um, because yeah, on the other hand, here's the thing that, um, John Corson, somebody in our, uh, church movement always said, he said that, you know, he, he was sure that God chose him for Christian ministry because he knew that he was so weak that if he wasn't in ministry, uh, he would have a tendency to, to be lax in his relationship with God. I think there's some real re truth to that. There's this idea that Sunday's always coming and you need to be prepared. And so you got to be in the word and being in the word causes you to grow and be healthy. And so, but if your relationship with God only consists of doing ministry for other people and you neglect that, then that's a really big recipe for disaster. The other recipe for disaster is isolation. 
that, um, you know, you start isolating yourself from people, you start isolating yourself from being known, um, even by other leaders in your church. And, um, that can be something that, that leads to bad things. Yeah. And I think one of the key words you brought up in the sermon was humility, you know, and I think that counts for leaders as much as it does for the congregation is that we, we need to be humble with one another. And that means being accountable. You know, not having maybe only yes people in your life, but having having that person that'll tell you, you know, what's right, and having tell you when you're point that thing in your life. Hey, you shouldn't be going that direction. You shouldn't be doing this thing. You know, and be be humble enough as a leader to understand that. You know, you 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 can fail, and that that scripture in Galatians you point out. You know, it says in to to to, to correct them in gentleness, but then it goes on to say, lest you mm-hmm. would stumble as well. You know, that that whole understanding that we're all we're all weak without Christ, and I think that's the the whole the important part is that you know being submit submitted, bringing everything under the headship of Christ in every part of your life, no matter what, and realizing that. No matter who you are, you're still desperately in need of Jesus, and you've not arrived. You know, you've not arrived until we get to heaven and we're in His presence. You know, and we all have that ability to fall on, flat on our faces, and you know, we do <laughs> many times. But you know, so that's just uh, some great things that you know you never know when you di- dive into this passage. There's so many things that kind of brings up and. So if this passage is new to you, First Corinthians 5, church discipline, hey, let us know, you know, have you had any church discipline situations that you've witnessed, been a part of, you know, let us know what, you know, your stories <laughs> you might have. That'd be, you know, fun to deal with, maybe not so much fun. But, uh, you know, this, you know, it just reminds us how important every word of scripture is. And so First Corinthians chapter 5 is a great passage. And so if you uh, was really blessed by it, Get over to whitefieldschurch.com. You can download it there, share it, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.